right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Yo. And on today's edition of the show, we got plenty of KU football talk. What else do you think we were going to be talking about today? We're also going to be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, in about 30 minutes from right now. we got our KU mailbag, so any last-second questions at RCST1320. Yes, please submit questions, preferably the goofier the better, Mm -hmm. the weirder the better. I love those questions. Also, RCST1320am at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, We have lie detector tests coming up today. Haven't done that in a few weeks. And then uh, Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. So KU starts 2-0 over Illinois. Now, when we were doing our preseason predictions, our win-loss predictions each yep. and every week, you yep. had them beating Illinois. I did not. I did. Yep. So once again, I'm right. You're wrong. Per <laughs> well, usual. See, I, I'm trying to remember. Did you have them at 7-5 and five or 8-4? and four? I think I picked them to go 7-5. and five. Okay. I had them at 7-5 and five as we well. We should have wrote this stuff down. Oh, well. Only one way to know. Um, but I had him 7-5 and w- as well. I just had him losing that specific game. Yeah. Obviously, for me, that indicates a material change to where I would be like, okay, well, you know, maybe they're going to win more games. Then again, maybe I also viewed it from a standpoint where I was like, I think they're going to one and one between the Illinois and Baylor games, and or Illinois and BYU game, I mean. And, and yeah, I guess that's still one up one in the between air. Illinois and Baylor. Yeah, of yeah. course. Uh, no, I... I I think they should beat BYU, but I guess you never totally know. Nonetheless, for me, it's not just about the win and, and changing a game that I thought they might have been able to lose. It's how good they looked. It's how they absolutely dominated another opponent that yeah. might only be a five or six or seven win team in, in the Big Ten. I don't know. But even if it is a five win team, for you to dominate a five win team tells you that you are in another weight class. You are in a higher weight class. You are in another tier of where you are as a program. And that for me is is more important than anything that that specifically just maybe winning a game that you weren't supposed to indicates. Um, so for me, clearly, this changes them for me where I view them as now an eight win team with the potential for obviously more than that. Yeah. You had them beating Illinois. Does it change anything I did. for you? There are two aspects to this that make me reconsider possibly and think that this this team can now win more games. Two aspects. The first aspect is everyone was griping and moaning and complaining about KU's schedule in the preseason. Oh, KU's schedule is so difficult. Oh, no West Virginia, no Houston. Oh, man, dude. Like, so much clear, that would still be nice if you did get to play those this year. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. But that was... That was the big gripe. Was KU schedule was a lot tougher, so they, you know they won six games last year. Even if they materially or objectively improve as a team, maybe that won't necessarily reflect in their record because they play a tougher schedule. Well, let let's take a look at that schedule, Derek. Let's let's take a closer look at it. Let's do it. They're already two and zero. Nevada is the worst team ever. Probably going to be three and zero. 
Again, number number one on Tom Fernelli's worst 25 in the country. ESPN SB Plus has him 130 of 133. <laughs> BYU has not been overly impressive in their first two games. Texas beat Bama, so that's that's going to be a tough game, but that was already a game we knew was going to be difficult. John Reese Plumley may not play for UCF in that next game against Kansas. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a real possibility he might be either out and or not 100%. Right. And game. also they I mean they beat Boise State by 2 points, which Boise's fine. They're, they're a solid team, but that Boise team just lost by what like 40 to Washington the week before. Yeah. So it's not like Boise might be like a 7 or 8 win Mountain West team. So it's not like UCF is this like they're they're probably on the same plane that you are, sort of, yeah. you know, except you get it at home. So John Reese probably questionable slash maybe not playing for that game, which suddenly makes it look a lot better. And even if he is fully healthy, I think you still have to look at that game and say and feel better about it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oklahoma State has a carousel of quarterbacks that all stink. They all suck. It doesn't matter which one's out there. So I feel way better about that game. Oklahoma was in a dogfight with SMU at home. Now, I know what they did to Arkansas State, which I think Arkansas State, I believe, might be one of the Arkansas worst. Arkansas State, yeah. Also. I think they won two games last year. Like, Arkansas <laughs> might, State is not good. They, they might be also one of the the fighting Gavin Potters. They might also be one of the worst teams. Is he on Arkansas State? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what he did. Isn't that, that wild? Game. Yeah, isn't that crazy? He got some tackles, I think. That had to be like a revenge game for him a little, right? Because he's he's from Oklahoma. Arkansas State, by the way, is coached by uh it, Butch Jones. Remember the former Tennessee coach? Oh, Cincinnati yeah, yeah. took over after Brian Kelly. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's their coach now. Uh yeah. Uh let's see. Gavin Potter had four tackles against Oklahoma. How wow. about that? Wow, there you go. Okay. Look at that. Fighting Gavin Potters. Either way, they are not very good. Mm-hmm. And then Oklahoma follows it up by basically laying an egg against SMU. I mean, that game was very tight in the yep. fourth quarter. They had a three-point. It was 14-11, to 11, I think, in the fourth quarter before they managed to pull away a little bit. And I don't know if SMU is projected to be, again, like that might be like a 6-7 yeah, team in the AC. Yeah, they lost Tanner Mordecai. It was transferred to Wisconsin. Rashi Rice is obviously on the Chiefs now. Like they lost a good amount from last year's team, so I don't yeah. know. So maybe you look at the Oklahoma game at home and say, eh, okay, there's a chance there. Iowa State stinks. I mean, those boys are terrible. Now listen, to, be credit, to give some credit to Rocco, Rocco might have a chance to be kind of good, but just I don't think it's going to happen this year. I guess they have another good recruit that's in the program who's like a true freshman. At, a quarter, at quarterback? Yeah, but I don't know that they're going to play him at, at any point this year. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, well, Iowa State stinks, and you figure a game that you already felt pretty good about in the preseason because of their program situation, you feel you probably don't feel any worse about it now than you did before the start of the season. Texas Tech is 0-2. Uh, the general consensus is that they will probably recover but to what? But recover how much, yeah. Exactly. To what extent? So that game's at home. You'll feel a little better about that one. Then you got Kansas State. And then you have the Cincinnati game on the road to end the season, which Cincinnati sneakily might be kind of good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They might be decent. But So think about that. Of your 10 remaining games over the course of the season, out of all of them, the only games you don't feel better about or the only games that I, I don't feel better about today compared to, what, compared to the start of the season, Texas... Kansas State, and I guess Cincinnati. Yeah. So seven of the remaining ten games I feel a lot better about right now based on those teams' performances than I did to start the season. Beauty is a little bit in the eye of the beholder here, and what I mean by that is it's funny. when When you're viewing this schedule from a perspective of if you think you're a team that's going to win six or seven games, it's still difficult because all those teams that you mentioned – it's like, well, they can still make a bowl game. And so you're viewing viewing them from a standpoint of they're on the same level as us or better. But as soon as you shift your 
your mindset to being like, if you think this is an eight or nine win team. Well, see, that's where you get to my second point. Why would you not think you can beat a lot of these teams who might win five, six, or seven games? My second point would be, based on Jalen Daniels' performance against Illinois, that also further boosts my confidence in a lot of these games compared to where I would have been. And what I mean by that is, like, I didn't expect Jalen Daniels when he came back to be bad or mm-hmm. to not be good. But did I expect him to do that against Illinois in his first full game, really? I don't know that I did, to be quite honest with you. I don't know that I expected him to do some Mahomes-type stuff out there. I don't know that I expected him to be scrambling around and chucking it downfield, to be running the ball effectively, to be in a complete mastery of the offense just like that, right? I mean, you go back to you go back to last year with the Texas game. When he came back, there was definitely some rust. There was yeah. definitely some playing through, shaking that stuff off. So I don't think it would have been crazy to maybe expect some of that against, against Illinois, and guess what? There was none of that. He came in immediately and displayed instant knowledge of exactly what he wanted to do, exactly how he wanted to execute the offense, and him and Andy Kolnicki were clearly in sync. Okay, So that, coupled with the fact that a lot of these teams have come out the gate that are on KU's schedule in the future not exactly blowing people away or lighting the world on fire, I feel a lot better now because of those two factors than I did to start the season. Yeah. It's, it's to the point more on the schedule. Like, when we look at Georgia's schedule— we say that's so easy because it's comparative to Georgia. <laughs> but their schedule is not that much different than, like, Kansas's schedule. Is it not? So you're saying that if, like, Nevada played Georgia's schedule, people would say that's a tough schedule. Yes. Because Nevada sucks. Of course. It's, it's in, it, the schedule and how we view it is based on how we view you. It really is. Okay. Because that's the problem with Georgia. It's like they don't play any other teams that are on their... I don't know, man. Like they if don't Georgia play Alabama had, and LSU. That's you what I'm know? saying. If Georgia had Alabama, LSU right. on their schedule, and even like... Do they play Ole Miss? I think they do, actually. Yeah, I think they do have Ole Miss, but okay. I think it's a home game for them. Yeah. So, like, if people had Alabama... If they had Alabama and LSU on their schedule, I don't think people would be coming after Correct. Them Correct. But when you compare, like, Georgia to KU schedule, for instance, it's like, oh, they play Tennessee. Maybe that's equivalent of you playing Texas, right? Both of them are road games, Texas too. is better, I would say. I would say so, too. But but you know what I mean. Like, Ole Miss is the equivalent to you playing Oklahoma or, or something. Kansas State. Right. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's Kentucky. They might be a ranked team. They have to play them. Like, we'll see. My point is— I did not expect you to defend Georgia here. No, no. My point is more so that, like, the Kansas schedule is hard until they're good. If Kansas is good and they're an eight or nine win team, then a lot of the games that you more so view as being their coin flip games because they're on the same tier we are, are now, we're better than them, let's go beat them, you know? And I don't know if we've arrived to that yet, so maybe maybe it's jumping the gun after just two weeks, but based on how you did look against Illinois, it's not crazy to think that that's the case. I mean, I feel I feel pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. Well, because uh, think about like if we go back to all the questions we had about this team coming into the season. What was known and what were the big questions? What was known coming into the air was that you have 10 starters back on offense. You have Jalen Daniels back. You got all your coaches. Um, you had a lot of starters back on defense, but you didn't know how it was going to go. Uh, special teams, you didn't know how it was going to go, but you liked some of the new faces that were coming in, whether it was from the coaching side or if it was from the personnel side. There was a lot of reason to be optimistic that the offense could be at least similar to what it was last year and that the defense, while you did lose Lonnie Phelps, could at least be a little bit better than they were last year and the special teams could be at least a little bit better than they were last year. But our biggest questions coming in were still, but how much better is the defense? But how much better is the special teams? Sure. What does it look like without Lonnie Phelps? What does it look like 
at some of these positions that you've been developing players looks, and now they're going to play. Looks pretty damn good with that line of health. It looks pretty, yeah. It's because pretty think honest. about it. Like, those biggest questions. All the questions we have, none of them were really about the offense. I guess some of the questions, if we were kind of manufacturing them, were, yeah, it was, it was health related, which health that be will question. be a question always for every team. Yeah. It just will. Yeah. Uh, we're about some of the offensive line. Like, would you not just be a, this is a good offensive line. Could you be a dominant offensive line? I think against Illinois, they showed they could be a dominant offensive line. Now, how does that work in a game like Texas, where Texas had a dominant defensive line against an Alabama offensive line? Yeah. Maybe that's a different story. That's bad. But for the most of your games, yeah. I think that carries over for the Illinois game and that it's not going to be that much different in what you faced versus Illinois than what you face versus BYU or Cincinnati or some of these teams that you're going to be playing along the way in the Big 12. But I guess to kind of kind of tertiary to what you're saying there is like there are games on the schedule that at the start of the year I would have said, nah, maybe that's a coin flip. I don't feel that way now. No. Like I look at, I look at BYU and at the start of the year I was thinking, nah, coin flip maybe. Now I'm thinking... That should be a, a, a game that Kansas wins. Mm-hmm. I look at UCF. Probably thought that was going to be a coin flip game. I didn't even, even pick UCF right. to start the year. When it goes back to answering the questions, defensive side of the ball, it's looked good so far. I know it's only two weeks, and I know one is, is an FCS opponent. Maybe we're overblowing what Illinois is. We're going to learn a lot this weekend. I don't necessarily yeah, know I mean, we're going to learn a lot from KU Nevada, <laughs> but we're going to learn a lot from Illinois Penn I mean, State. Illinois might stink. Yeah. Yes. Illinois, they might be just really bad. Now, maybe we'll walk some of this stuff back. If Illinois yeah. loses 55-7 to to Penn State on Saturday, probably not going to feel great. Maybe right? not, yeah. You'll just be like, yeah, that maybe but that then, wasn't that good. you know, I, I think we kind of alluded to this earlier in the week. Kind of have flashbacks to, like, Houston from last year, right? Yes. That was a Houston team that preseason was, they thought they were a, a double-digit win team, a New Year's Six Bowl candidate out of the American. All this hype. They were excited. We, I don't remember which Houston guest we had on that previewed them, but remember he was he was talking about how I don't remember his name. They talking about yeah. how Houston that's who, that's what they thought their program was, and then KU beats them and it's like wow, you just beat a team that was in the top twenty five that wants to be a New Year's Six Bowl team, and then it turned out Houston wasn't yeah. that great. Now I think Houston still ended still up won eight winning, games. yeah, eight yeah. games. So you know that's it's, it wasn't like a bad win or you know anything like that. But I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the same thing happened to Illinois where. You're thinking, oh, okay, this is a Big Ten team with you know some pretty good talent on it, and we just beat them pretty easily, and then they end up winning like four games. Mm-hmm. It Which could like, happen. That could happen. But at the end of the day, if if they if that ends up happening, but KU still goes eight and four, nine and three, who cares? Right. Guess who? Does, guess who? I don't care. Well, the WCW is you won convincingly enough to be like, okay, at least it wasn't like a coin flip game over a team that that, that could happen to. So we will learn a lot this Saturday, I think, from that Illinois Penn State game. Um, that is, I guess, one positive. I do think Penn State's really good, though. So, like, what if, what if it's just, what if Penn State ends up I winning mean, forty-five to ten, but it's actually more of a learning tool about Penn State and Illinois still Eric, is okay, you know? I don't you know. or I could quarterback Penn State ten wins this season. <laughs> Their quarterback's pretty good, though. Drew Aller, he's been pretty good to start this season. I mean, I mean we, ta- I know we talked about it, yeah. a couple weeks ago, but. Very their schedule team. is the softest schedule I've ever seen outside of Michigan, Besides, Ohio State. Oh, yes, which I mean, so kind of ten and two guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> minimum. <laughs> So, okay, so what's the record then for, for KU? I'll, I'll ask this to Shreyas Lotta later because, yeah, you have answered some of those questions. Defensive end looks good. Defense looking good so far. What is the record they would need to start for you to feel like, as opposed to when we're like, oh, maybe they could be a Big 12 title contender, where that's just kind of like a throwaway line, it's kind of a, a brief mention of something that you realize could be a possibility, but something that you haven't fully taken seriously yet? What is the record they would have to start? Where is the point where you would start 
making that a real conversation to be like, yes, they are a real Big 12 title contender. Let's be on Big 12 title contender watch. If they are 6-1 and one with Oklahoma rolling into town. Okay. That's 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 what I will but say. But what if, see, here's my issue. That's what that. I will say. They are a Big 12 title contender. My issue with that is what if you lose that game? What if you what if your one loss is Texas and you yeah. lost by 30? And then what if you lose to Oklahoma that week by 30? At that point, you're 6-2, and two, but you have two losses by 30 to two other teams you'd be expecting to be in the competition. At that point, I wouldn't view them that way, even at 6-2. and two. That's why I said going into the Oklahoma game. <laughs> okay. If they're six and two after the Oklahoma game, and that and what you just outlined is true, then yeah, I think you would say this is a team that can win eight or nine games, but they are still clearly a class below the upper teams of the Big Twelve. That's fair. I think there are a couple benchmarks I would look to throughout the season. If you're four and zero, if you beat Texas, you're five and zero. At that point, we're well, going to yes, start taking them seriously, right? One hundred percent. I mean that that's a given, right? A win against Texas automatically puts you in that category. Now, if you go, if you're four and zero into Texas and you lose by three points or something. I don't know that we quite get there, but we don't, we get darn close to it. I, I would I'll, I'll say this: if if you go into Austin and play Texas pretty close and lose, I will not be willing to say that yet because right. what because I would want to see is how year. you would respond the next week against UCF at home. Correct. If, because so last if you, year, if you come home and, and beat the crap out of UCF and you're five and one, yes, I think maybe I would be on board there even before you play Oklahoma State. Well, the way I see it is if you start four and zero, and then you go two and two over the next four games. But one of those wins is either Texas or Oklahoma. It doesn't have to be both. just has to be one of them. So you go two and two between the slate of Texas, Oklahoma, UCF, and Oklahoma State. Or if you're six and two with both losses to Texas and Oklahoma, but both losses are close, well, close-ish. How about this? Then I'm fine having the conversation. I think if you legitimately want to make a Big 12 championship game, I think you need to go two and one between Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas Tech at home, at least. You got to at least win one. At, le- at least, least win one. one. But you might I don't be think right one's because K State and Oklahoma are both at home. Yes, I don't think one is enough. I think you have to go two and one between those three games. Well, now, obviously, the Texas Tech and K State games are later on in the season, mm-hmm. but those three games you need to go two and one. I think, assuming. Assuming you're going to go on the road and lose at Texas, which I think at this point, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and assume that. I mean, well, I understand you could it could be close. Weird things have happened when KU's gone to Texas the past couple times. Like, I understand that you know a win is not impossible, mm-hmm. but I'll just say let's set that aside. Lose at Texas. If that's the case, you got to go two and one between Kansas State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. The one thing holding me back there is what if Oklahoma's only like a seven and five team? Then at that point, you lose at home to them. Yes, that's. Not great, but that also, it's not like they're a contender at that point. And then the K-State game just becomes more important where you could lose Texas and Oklahoma but beat K-State, and you're in that conversation. So the way I view it is if you're within a game, if you're within a game of whoever is in that second-place spot for the Big 12 title game headed into the last week of season, that's true contention. Oh, absolutely. So 100%. that probably means you have Dude, to be 8-3. That, eight is, and three at that, that point. is throw a party down mastery. Yes. So you probably have to be 8-3 and three or 9-2 and two at that point. Which means, to that point, you do have to probably win at least one of those, and, and if not two of them, depending on how you do versus kind of the other competition. I guess you could just beat up on all the other teams, and if you win every other game, maybe you could sneak in, but then you're not going to have any tiebreakers, and that's going to kind of kill you there. So, But back to your know, just original question as to what is the earliest that you would consider that. To me, either if you lose close at Texas and then dominate UCF, I would I would, I would, would maybe be willing to say it at 5-1. and one. But to me, you have to go be Oklahoma State on the road. Because, again, 
I I know I'm gonna sound like a uh, like a what's the term a broken broken record broken record. I know I'm gonna sound like I, I couldn't think of a broken record. I know I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, but I don't love chalking up automatic wins for conference road games right now. I don't. I I don't I don't like that. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to. So if you go on the road and win at Oklahoma State, now you have my attention. You're six and one. Now we can have a conversation. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, voice of the Jayhawks. Brian Haney will join us in a little over 10 minutes from right now. We're going to take a timeout with RCST. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That time on a Thursday, we're joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. You'll be able to hear him on the call through the Jayhawk Radio Network on Saturday. Pre-game for the Crimson and Blue Show with uh, BMAC and DL will start at 8 o'clock. And uh, Brian will be heard with DL at 9.30 for kickoff between KU and Nevada. Uh, KU 2-0 so far. Really impressive outing in Week 2 against a good Illinois team. For you, through the first two weeks of the season, what has been the most impressive thing about how good they've looked so far this year? Well, it's probably not a sexy answer because you expect me to say something offensively speaking with 41 points a game and all the big plays and the rushing yards and Jalen Daniels' return and all that. But if you rewind the tape to our conversations about a month ago, I think we were talking about what's the defensive front four going to look like? What's the pass rush going to look like? And Lonnie Phelps was losing a ton of your starting returning production across the defensive line. How's that going to shake out? And you fast forward two weeks into the season, they've had nine tackles for loss in each of the first two games. The six sacks we saw versus Illinois were the most sacks since 2009. And I'll tell you what, that Illinois offensive line, even though they've had some struggles replacing a couple of guys on one side of it, as you guys know, and I know Nick was, was next door in the Illinois booth helping them out, I mean, they average about 320 pounds per man across that front. So to see what our guys have done uh, in the wake of, of losing some key pieces a year ago, I, I think that's been one of the great storylines. I mean, you lose all four starters, and yet two weeks into this season, you're averaging nine TFLs per game. That's a pretty great story. I thought what was notable about uh, speaking with the Illinois guys, like you mentioned, is that it seemed to them as if, they were saying how Kansas was had the better athletes. They were faster. They were bigger. They were stronger. I mean, when's the last time you've heard that been talked about like a Kansas football team? I mean, it's probably been a long time, but just to hear something like that or hear the praise like that, what do you think that says about this program? Yeah, I mean, outside of your typical one game versus the FCS every other year, you never hear that in the last 14 or 15 years. But it's clear that Kansas was recruiting better athletes late in the baby era, certainly throughout the best miles era. And, and then I think it's been a great combination of coaching up and, and developing the players that they inherited and then adding in some big-time uh, athletic talent to it. And I was talking with Matt Gildersleeve the other day about how far this program has come athletically. And he mentioned, you know, the first two years you're going to see big gains in terms of individual strength and speed development. After that, it kind of levels off, but if you're doing on the field what Kansas is doing right now in terms of wins, you'll start to recruit a completely different caliber athlete to begin with, to where what he's working with starts out on a much higher level of natural gifted athleticism as opposed to having to manufacture it and pull the most out of it. So I think Lance Leipold's staff has done a tremendous job of making the most of what they inherited, but now also being in position to add some pretty gifted 
athletes coming in from day one. And that's obviously a great sight to see. So, yeah, you're right, Nick. We don't hear that a lot, but I have a feeling we're going to start hearing that a lot more going forward. And that is most definitely the case as we get set for this week's matchup out of Reno. I know it's only two games, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, what is a, a 2-0 and start over the course of the country? And, you know, last year you, you make a bowl game, and, and who's to say that things don't end up similar to how they did last year? But I don't know, man. After watching those first two games, and after watching how the Illinois game went, I, even with that, that two-game sample, with one of it even being an F, against an FCS team, it feels like to me they've taken that kind of next step up from where they were uh, from last season. W- would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, it sure feels that way. And I think had the fourth quarter not gotten so choppy with all of the targeting calls and the replay reviews and that, that whole game flow just got really out of sync and obviously Illinois closes on a 16-0 run, but they were on a pace there to hang a big number and make a really emphatic statement, like a win-by-40-plus type statement uh, before that game kind of got wonky in the second half of the second half. And so I think that uh, it's still a super convincing victory and an impressive statement made and an obvious step up, as you termed it, already taking that next step just two weeks into year three. But I think they're on the cusp of, of tapping into some potential that we haven't yet seen. And hopefully that starts to manifest itself these next couple of weeks. But it's clear you know, that this program is on a different level than it was even last season. I mean, you see that in the trenches. You see that really in, in most every position group on this team. I think they're deeper than they've been. The competition is better. It's, it's where, you know, obviously you hate to lose Kenny Logan. I'm sorry, you hate to lose the likes of Kobe Bryant and uh, – Austin Booker for a half versus Nevada, but you look at what they can bring in behind them, like a Quentin Lasseter who has two picks already in the first two weeks. You look at seven different rotational options at defensive end and edge rusher they can bring in for those two quarters, and you don't sweat it as much. And so I think they have taken that next step already. I think it starts with the fact that they just have more talent than what we've seen in recent seasons across the board. But specifically, some of the guys in those you know, starting slots on the depth chart have all gotten markedly better heading into this season. I, I just I see so much progress to a man with just about everybody on this roster, and that's a really exciting thing to see. And you don't put too much stock in, in stats two weeks in because everybody's playing a different schedule and it's not a large enough sample size. But when you talk about Devin Neal you know, being in the top five nationally, fourth to be exact, and yards per carry. Jeremy Robinson, fifth in the nation in sacks thus far. When you talk about an offense that's gone north of 500 in each of the first two weeks and is rattling off sack totals we hadn't seen since, you know, what, 14 years ago. Yeah, there's definitely been an uptick and a step forward that's been made here. Let's hope they keep taking those steps as the year unfolds. We saw Jalen Daniels as the starter for the first time last week. And I, I think that if Jalen Daniels just didn't exist or didn't come to Kansas or whatever. KU fans would be looking at Jason Bean as as this savior, as the best quarterback they've had since Todd Reese. And you could probably argue maybe a brief stint of Michael Cummings or, or the one year of Carter Stanley. But to me, for my money, it would be Jason Bean as that answer there. Uh, but it's just like even with how good Jason is, Jason Bean has been as that backup quarterback and when you've needed him to, there just is that next level with Jalen Daniels, whether it's himself, whether it's kind of the energy he brings from the fan base and the team. What is it to you about Jalen Daniels that takes him in this KU offense to that next level? 
Great question, and I completely agree on, on both parts of that. The setup of it, talking about Jason Bean and how he might be remembered differently uh, if he wasn't sharing the spotlight or, or giving it over to a guy that's a once-in-a-generational talent like Jalen Daniels. And, and I'll talk about Jalen in a second as to what makes him unique. But just real quickly on, on Jason Bean, the fact that he's selfless enough to step out of that spotlight, not hold a grudge, not look to the transfer portal to go find a QB1 spot somewhere in this day and age where that seems to be not just the invoke thing to do, it seems to be what almost everybody does who doesn't win the job. You know what I mean? And you saw the social media clip of what he said to Jalen right before he took the field to start the game saying, hey, this is your time now. I got your back, brother, if you need me. I'm right here. And that might seem like it was made for TV or played up for the cameras, but in talking to both guys the last couple of weeks, it really seems genuine. They genuinely do support one another. And, and Jalen even said last night on Hawk Talk, you know, with Jason being a couple of years older, he looks up to him for, for all kinds of advice, just in life in general, let alone football. And so that takes a special kind of young man and a special kind of character to be willing to – stay in a situation where you're not getting all the hype and the love that you talked about, Derek, but you're ready just in case your moment comes and your number is called. Um, and, and you're in it because you love the brotherhood of your teammates and you don't want to transfer for a second time in your career. You want to ride it out and experience the fruits of those labors. I think that is a huge credit and testimony to his character. So I love that about Jason. Now, Jalen, you know, he's not straight on fast as Jason Bean is, but Man, when you look at the total package of what he brings physically on top of a guy that has clearly the it factor and is an excellent decision maker on top of everything else, it's just really the perfect storm of QB attributes you want to have in that. He's got the escapability. He can beat you with his feet, but more than anything, he can extend the play with his feet to make things happen, to give his receivers just an extra stride or two of time to get open downfield. He's got a cannon for an arm that we saw three years ago when he came in age 17 and he was starting week two in Waco. I remember he overthrew a, a touchdown pass by about five yards. And while I was disappointed they didn't complete the pass, I thought, holy smokes, this kid's got a cannon and he's 17. On top of that, guys, he, he seems to almost always put the ball where it needs to go and make the right lead. And maybe there's a little bit of separation there between him and, and his uh, backup, his good buddy, Jason Bean, in terms of he probably makes the right lead just a little bit more often and puts the ball in the right window a little bit more often. He's not flawless by any means. There's a throw or two he'd like to have back from the Illinois game. But by and large, he makes good decisions. He's got a charisma and a moxie and an it factor about him that you see with a handful of guys on each roster each year, but you rarely get it from your most important player at the most important position to that degree. And so to have all those physical gifts and you add in the intangibles and the personality and the character and the swagger, that still, according to his coach, He's still as humble as he was two years ago. Same guy, even though you see a little more swag and you know the, the necklace around his neck with the big uh, video highlight package playing and all that. He's still you know a down to earth kid, according to his teammates and coach. And I witnessed that too. And I was so impressed with him last night. So I think for all those reasons, you got to be super impressed with Jalen Daniels, but also impressed with Jason Bean and his willingness to be whatever this program needs him to be because. 
this is not a day and age where you often see that, and, and Kansas is so lucky to have them both. Talking with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney here on Rock Jock Sports Talk. And, and I think it's interesting, too, when you look at a lot of the players that KU has, and, and obviously this comes after you know some down years, so it's, it's going to be easier to have the, this is the best player since whatever, but we, we were looking at like Devin Neal yesterday, and, and he's on pace right now. It's, it's only two games, and he's battling through some sort of injury or something. But uh, he's on pace for, you know, it was like 1,390 rushing yards, something like that, if they play in a bowl game, which I think, you know, certainly the team has expectations to do that this year, which, you know, isn't that far off from uh, what John Cornish was able to do for the single-season record. Obviously, Jalen and Jason, I mean, Jason Bean's right there for like top 10 passing touchdowns in KU history, too. Uh, you look along the offensive line and the receiver position and some of the guys in defense. H- have you thought at all about the fact that we could be looking back at this team in, in maybe five to ten years and being like, yeah, Devin Neal is one of the, I don't know, five greatest rushers in KU football history, and Jalen Daniels is one of the three or four greatest quarterbacks, in K- and just kind of the legacy that this team could leave? Yeah, that's, that's a great way of looking at it. And, you know, to toss in another statistical measure, you know, Kenny Logan's going to put a run into – several tackles records, including tackles by a secondary player, as in safety or cornerback. And what's interesting about that, a guy that's led us in tackles each of his first three seasons, he had to the first couple of years because guys were getting to the second and third level quicker than you could say lock chalk. And he was literally the last line of defense. So many times he had to make those plays just to, to save a touchdown from happening. I witnessed something special from him yesterday at practice where he was John on the sideline with his teammates, and they were talking about what they wanted to do in this next game. And, and somebody said, Kenny, you're going to get 10 more tackles. And he says, I don't want the tackle. He's like, my man up front got him covered. I want to pick. <laughs> and, and his point was, the guys on the D-line and the linebacking core should be making more plays this year, and they are, to where he's not having to, to wrap up after somebody just ripped off a 15-yard carry and he was the first guy that touched him. They're so much more defensively sound and stout than what he came into three years ago that his numbers should taper off tackle-wise, but he's okay with that. He wants to still be disruptive, forcing fumbles, getting an interception. And I think when he said, I want to pick, let's call it like it is. It's his time. Kobe's got one. Quentin's got two. Mello's got one. He's probably, you know, a little bit jealous right now that the ball hadn't come his way enough. But I think that showed some maturity on his behalf that he realizes as the defense gets better, different things may be required from him. And, and it's a good thing that he's not having 14 tackles in a game, if that makes sense. So I thought that was cool to see. But in terms of those other guys, I mean, absolutely, Devin Neal has put himself in a conversation depending on, you know, if he stays all four years and has health for all four years and all that stuff, to be one of the all-time great rushers in Kansas football history. And you had high hopes for him as the number one prospect in the state of Kansas coming out of high school, but I don't think we would have thought he was going to have that type of trajectory right out the gate. I think we thought he'd be a very, very good player here, maybe even a great player, but you didn't necessarily expect legendary player when you're talking about a school that's had Gale Sayers and John Wiggins and, and, and some of these tremendous talents that uh, even like the Tony Sands from, from my childhood or you know Jake Sharp from your childhood, Nick Springer, you think of him in, in maybe a chance of, to be in that ilk, but Derek's talking about all-time record type numbers, and you know what? He's on pace for those. It's clear he has taken his body 
and his, his overall skill set and game to a completely different level. I was talking with Andy Cole and Nikki the other day and, and asked him about guys that have surpassed expectations. And, and he would tell you, everybody right now is, is excelling. But he singled him out and said, now that guy has made a leap. And I'll tell you what, it, it's fun to watch that as somebody who bet on his hometown team and program when there wasn't much going for it, honored that commitment, stuck it out, and now he's reaping the benefits and, and get the chance to see amazing things done here that probably weren't thought possible before. And he's right in the thick of it, delivering it as the preseason Big 12 first team all lead running back and a guy that, that, you know, if he posts these numbers, could be in All-American conversation. So really proud of him. And obviously, you know, Jalen Daniels is, is going to compete with all of Todd Reason's records. And depending on what he does in terms of team success, and could he possibly come back and lead Kansas to three straight bowl games, which has never, ever been done before, then you really start to have a different kind of conversation about legacy and narrative. To truly top Todd, he's got to engineer a 12-win season. Easier said than done. Although he'd tell you that's certainly on his list of things. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's entering into that mix as well. Luke Grimm's in the top 10 career receptions list now. And you're going to see more and more of those individual accolades start to be racked up and records start to fall with a very special group that's playing on a prolific offense that it doesn't show any sign of letting up anytime soon. And I think you know, tight end records will start to be looked at with, with this group as well when it's all said and done. So a lot of good stuff to monitor and measure. And I love it that we're having that conversation right now because you're talking about all these great stats and records and stuff. That means we're not having to sweat the matchup too much in breaking down how we're going to win this next one, which we can do if you want. But, but I think it speaks to a place of uh, – of accomplishment and growth within this program that uh, we're spending so much time talking about these ballyhooed and hype figures and stats and, and, and facts that we can throw it out there as opposed to trying to say, how in the world are we going to win this non-con road game? Yep, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing this Saturday is just for KU, just, you know, uh, avoid the external factors. Uh, altitude, two-hour time difference, playing late at night. Lance Leipold joked he's got to make sure he stays awake to the end of the game. Uh, it's it's a game on paper that the KU should feel good about, but um, clearly, yeah, I, I guess that's important to bring up now that uh, it's just take care of business and good things will happen. That's kind of how I view this game. Yeah, I do too, and, and that's not to look past anybody right. or chalk anything up at all, but yeah, I mean, this is a program, if you want the quick 30-second synopsis, Jay Norvell, who's now at Colorado State and, and in the news today for what he was saying about the Colorado-Colorado State matchup, he had this thing rocking and rolling. They went to four straight bowl games. They were doing great, but they did not make a big enough commitment to him when Colorado State came calling, and they pilfered him away. And then the fall off a cliff is kind of reminiscent to Kansas under Turner Gill in 2010 and, and what followed. Now, hopefully for Nevada's sake, it, they won't, you know, bottom out for a decade, but in this case, I mean, they, they go from back-to-back-to-back-to-back bowl games to now they've lost 12 in a row, including the last 10 games of last season. They have added in some transfer portal guys from major conferences, including several from the Pac-12, including their quarterback. I do think there's more than meets the eye with this team, and we shouldn't, you know, read too much into last week's 33-6 to loss to an FCS team, because Idaho's pretty good, but Having said that, Kansas should have a decided advantage in all three phases of the game. They are the bigger, more physical team. They do have more speed. Everything that Nick described that Kansas was versus Illinois, 
they should be, and then some in this matchup. But uh, but don't take anything for granted because you still got some some former high major conference college athletes on the field out there, and I promise you this. This will be a big deal to this football team. I don't know how many are going to be in the stands in a stadium that holds 30,000 when you've lost 12 straight. But the last time a Power 5 team went out to Reno four years ago in 2019, Purdue got beat. And, yes, it was a different time in their program, and Norvell was leading them at the time and all that. But the point is the, the Reno kids, the Nevada kids, are going to treat this thing like one of their biggest games in years. And so you've got to show up, pop them in the mouth early, Play from out in front. Don't allow belief and confidence to creep in and build for the home team as the game moves on. And if you do those things, I think Kansas, you know, could win this thing going away. And maybe you do see a lot of Jason Bean in the fourth quarter at quarterback. But to do that, you got to engineer a similarly convincing start to the game like we saw last Friday night at home. And if they do that, I think we're going to have a lot of fun no matter how late we're on the air, even if it is 2 a.m. when Sean Kellerman is signing <laughs> off here on KLWN with his locker room show. There we go. Well, Brian, I appreciate the time as always, man. Safe travels to Reno. And uh, before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller. I'll give you a word from Nate Miller, but I want 100 words from Derek Johnson texted in. I understand you are the go-to guy for Reno and Lake Tahoe area recommendations. So, yes, Nate Miller's got my financial game plan, but I want the Derek Johnson game plan for travel out there. Surely some of our crew will, will hit the blackjack tables at some point, but I kind of want to see the lake. So give me some of those suggestions. I'll listen off air. But, uh, yes, check out Nate Miller as well. MillerRetirementGroup.com. He's got all the insight you need and the expertise to have the most profitable and comfortable financial future. So make sure you sit down with him today and check him out first by visiting MillerRetirementGroup.com. Thanks, fellas. Always a pleasure. All right, Brian. I'll uh, let you know some of those places, and thanks again, man. Thank you, brother. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. That was Voice of the Jayhawks. Brian Haney joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to Brian for coming on the show. One hour down, two to go. KU Mailbag, next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Four o'clock hour here. We're going to be joined by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star coming up. In the 5 o'clock hour here, uh, talk some KU football with him. We're going to get to our KU mailbag here in a moment. First, though, there is an update from the Arterio Morris case. Uh, this according to Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KU Sports. The jury trial for Arterio Morris has been canceled and the case disposed. He pleaded no contest to a Class C misdemeanor. He had initially been charged with Class A and will pay a $362 fine. Uh, Henry has reached out to the relevant parties for comment, so be on the lookout at uh, KUSports.com for an updated full story there. I will say this, uh, Class C misdemeanor in Texas are punishable by fine up to $500. There's no jail time for Class C misdemeanor. Any misdemeanor that has is not designated as Class A, B, or C and has no specified punishment is a Class C misdemeanor. Uh, for instance, theft or property worth less than $100 is a Class C misdemeanor. Um, this is also something that's uh, kind of interesting as part of this as Class C in Texas. Um, it does show up on a background check. If you were convicted, your conviction will show up during a background check, and that uh, can obviously you know come back to bite you in a lot of ways. 
So, I mean, there's there's a couple ways of viewing this. Um, I've been on the negative side of the Ontario Moore stuff of not understanding why they brought him on to begin with from the get-go. So uh, there are probably some people rolling their eyes when I'm going to talk about this, and that's fine. Um, I'll just say this. The fact that he had to pay a fine and that it still is a Class C misdemeanor where it will show up on your background, that's not the win that you think it is to totally clear his name. That's basically accepting that there is some fault here and that you did do the things that you were convicted of, but it's basically we're trying to move on. Both parties are trying to move on, not just Arterio. The other side of this is trying to move on from it. But uh, from a KU perspective, from a basketball court perspective, this likely means that Arterio Morris won't have to deal with a suspension or anything else. Obviously, that is dependent on Arterio being good the rest of the way and avoiding anything else happening. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of just you know, out there. I mean, it's the the case is now closed, which I guess, like you said, from a KU perspective, the case being closed is certainly a win. And uh, you know, I don't I don't like using the term win or loss in the situation because I mean, I mean, nobody really won per se, but. But uh, this is a situation that I think you would hope was was going to be cleared up, whether whatever the resolution was ahead of the season, so that if nothing else, if it was going to be suspensions or if there was going to be something, that it wouldn't be too distracting going into the season. So I guess that's a that's a, something you can look at and say, okay, well now it's you know you've 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 got a resolution to it at least before the season has started, so that it's not something that might adversely affect not just Arturo Morris himself, but the team as a whole. Yes. Uh, so, anyway, we'll just uh, wait to see what the aftermath of that is. I mean, we got uh, about a month till the season starts, so uh, for, to see kind of the impact there and, and how everything kind of works out from that. But based on what came out of this from an on-court perspective, yes, I do not envision it will have any impact on the playing time or suspension or anything like that. I'd, I'd imagine it's just... Uh, back to practice and, and getting ready for games and everything like that. All right, let's get on to our KU mailbag for the week. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions. You can do the same at RCST1320 on Twitter. You can also shoot us an email, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And uh, if we get to every question, hopefully we do. If we don't, then we'll, we promise we'll get to you at, at some point here. Yes. Thank you to everyone asking questions. This is my favorite segment. It is. Favorite segment. Yep. Um... First question is from Bob. Would you rather Kansas go 7-5 and five this season with a win over Kansas State or 10-2 and two with a Big 12 title appearance? You don't know if they win or not, so they could win the Big 12 title, <laughs> or they might not. They could lose by 60 for all you know. I don't know. Or they could win by 60. But losing to K-State in the regular season is part of that one. Yeah, these questions are... I like the KBMX favorite segment. I don't like these questions. Yeah, people keep asking. I know. I think it's because they know I don't like them. <laughs> so, but that's fine. That's fine. We are an equal opportunity show. Every question gets answered, regardless of whether or not it's a good, regardless of whether or not I like the question or not. So, that being said, generally speaking, when it comes to these type of questions, I are on the side of letting it play out. That's normally how I am. I think in this case, ten and two of the Big Twelve title appearance. Now, here is the here is the main concern here. If you're 10-2 and two going to the Big 12 title, but you lost to Kansas State, that means that odds are you might be playing Kansas State again in a rematch in the Big 12 title game. Now, because he said you don't know if you win or lose that, I would take that and then have a, and then say, okay, you know what? If KU loses to Kansas State in the regular season, but somehow it works out to where they rematch in the Big 12 title game and KU wins that, pff, who cares? So give me that. Give me 10-2. and two. Which I know normally I don't like saying yes. guarantee loss to Kansas State, but... The fact that 
if that's the case, you would probably be, have a chance to play them again in the Big 12 title, get some revenge, and win the Big 12 championship over. I mean, that would be that would be awesome. Winning the Big 12 title over Kansas State, that'd be pretty awesome. So I'm going to take that risk. Give me 10 and 2. I would take the second one for sure, too. Yeah. Now, now, if the first one was like 9-3 and three with a win over K-State, but you don't make the Big 12 title game, that becomes more of a conversation. Even then, though, the chance to win a Big 12 championship, that'd be so cool, man. I, yeah, I, I think I I'd take the second one no matter what. Yeah. 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 And, and again, this doesn't guarantee that you Plus, would win like, the Big 12 championship. Who the hell right? cares cool. if you lose to Kansas State in the regular season, but you win the Big 12 title? Even if it's yeah. not against Kansas State. Who cares? Yep. Literally, who cares? It's like, do you remember who K-State lost to in the regular season last year? Not really. I remember no. the TCU game. Just well, Tulane. They lost to Tulane. Game. But, like, who was the other Big 12 team they lost to? Because they did lose to somebody else. I think they lost to, I don't know, Texas? Did they? Maybe. I don't know. I don't, know. I honestly don't, I don't know. really remember. They won the Big 12, but I remember that. Okay, this one from Greg. Do you think Jason Bean gets the start against Nevada this week? They're terrible, and Jalen Daniels looked slow to get up on some hits last week. Wouldn't be surprised if it's Bean all game. Fingers crossed it's Daniels, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't expect uh, Jason Bean to make this to start this game at all. I think Jalen Daniels will definitely be the starter, uh, and I think that best case scenario, you're up big at half or in the third quarter to where Jalen Daniels will not have to play the whole game. But certainly, if he is healthy and good to go, you roll him out. Now, what is interesting though is uh, if you listen to Hawk Talk last night, Lance Leipold actually alluded to something similar to this, where he was basically talking about how going into the Missouri State game, there was the the discussion of like Jalen Daniels was probably good to go, but there was a lack of reps and whatnot. And Jason Bean starts the game. And then later in the game, Leipold goes to Jalen Daniels and is like, Hey, you could probably go in here, but at this point in the game, we're up big. Like if you were to go in and something were to happen, it would be horrible. Right? Like imagine that happens where you bring in Jalen Daniels to get some reps in against Missouri state up 30. And he does something that keeps him out even longer. I mean, that would be worst case scenario. So he talked about how he like, had that conversation with Jalen on the sideline, and Jalen was like, I'll do whatever you want to do, coach. Mm-hmm. So basically saying, like, if Jalen Daniels is not fully 100%, or if he's not able to play to his full capacity, it's just going to come down to Lance Leipold, because that relationship that they have and the trust that they have between each other, Jalen Daniels trusting in Lance Leipold to make the right decision, and Jalen Daniels trusting in the athletic staff, and, and Lance Leipold, you know, accepting that and understanding that what that means in terms of what to do with Jalen Daniels, that's a lot. And so, it, yes, if Jalen Daniels is not 100% and he can't play fully, but he's able to go out, you know, for the first half or whatever, that's what I would expect. But I think in, a, in, a, in an ideal scenario, you know, you're up 28, 35 points in the third quarter, and then at that point you can just take Jalen Daniels out anyways. Yes. I that, That's how I view it, too. Uh, I don't think there's been any setbacks, at least that we've heard of so far. That would be the big thing to me. If there's a setback during the week, then yes. But as, as much as I expect KU to win and win big and, and blow them out, you still are not at a point, you know, don't take any game for granted at yeah. the same point in time, too, right? So if Jalen Daniels is healthy, yes, play him. Exactly. Don't just be like, we're resting him for the sake of resting him because we're worried about I mean, a hit does Alabama the game. Does Alabama rest all their starters against the Citadel? No. No, they still play for, play you know, a couple quarters, the first right? half. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it doesn't matter who you too. play, and your starters play. Yeah, so to me, it would if, if Jason Bean ends up starting, it's because Jalen had a setback during the week. It's not a precautionary thing, but I don't expect that to happen. Then again, we're not in the building, and I guess the back could flare up at any time. So, uh, 
Honestly, I'm, I'm not going into any week this year being like it's 100% certainty Jalen is starting. There's always that, you know, 10, 20% that, that something can go muck during the week. But no, if, if he's healthy, then he goes. Uh, Larry, what is your biggest KU basketball question at this point? Hmm, that's that's interesting. Uh, I think when you look at the team, obviously you expect them to be a top five, top three, top two, top one team. So in terms of a talent perspective, there's not really any real questions there. I think the biggest question, I guess, at this point will remain, you know, your continuity, right? I mean, you've got, you were able to bring back Kevin McCuller along with KJ Adams and Dewan Harris, but you've still got an assembly of new players that will need to take some time to learn to play with each other. And so I guess my concern would be how long that takes. And especially with KU's non-conference schedule early in the season being difficult, if they do suffer some setbacks, does that kind of shake them for the whole season or are they able to bounce back from that? Or I guess how, what will that look like as a team, you know, as they try to put all these pieces together? Because it's one thing to have all the talent in the world, but you got to find a way to fit it together. And obviously I think we both agree Bill Self is very, very good at that. And he's had, you know, now most of a good chunk of the off season, the whole summer, basically to try to figure out how he wants to fit this thing together. But I want to see it a little bit more uh, against in live action. And because of the fact that KU's early non-conference schedule is so tough, like I mentioned, what if they do cups, you know, suffer a couple of losses early in the year? What what happens then? My question, honestly, is if you had asked me this three months ago, it would have been the three point shooting. Um, that'll still be an interesting question, but I think they have enough to overcome whatever kind of happens there. And and honestly, it it still is a question, especially if the longer this goes, the more it feels like Nick Timberlake might not be that like twenty five minute per game. Uh, kind of guy like maybe he's closer to being 15 and that obviously hurts you a little bit in that category but for me it's depth it's the question of depth if you have if everybody stays healthy it's not going to be a big deal but yeah pretty much at every position you are one injury away from having a lot of questions um at the, you know at the the point guard position maybe you're, I don't you're know, still kind of fine i uh, guess maybe but. maybe yeah but like at center if hunter dickinson goes down Problems. What do you do, right? Problems. Yeah, there's problems. I guess if Kevin McCuller goes down, five and Kevin the four, and I don't know. Yeah, if Kevin McCuller goes down, like, Johnny Furphy time, right. and he better be ready. It's just very unproven there. You know what I mean? So it, it's just the depth questions for me about you know what if you get into the tournament healthy, it's not a big deal at all, but it's something that you have to worry about over the course of the entire season. Uh, this one from Ivar. Uh, you can either have free food, but no meal can ever surpass fifteen dollars for what you get. Or free gas for the rest of your life. What are you choosing? So here is my question: With the free food thing, if it oh, if it does surpass fifteen dollars, I can just pay for it, right? Pay out of pocket. I can just pay I, for I it. I guess that depends. I don't know. Or is or it like, that I you, literally can't yeah, eat anything? Like I can't question. eat any meal over fifteen dollars. If it is something where I can just pay for anything that's more than fifteen, then it's I free think food I'm easily. The food. It's free food easily. But if it's like now, I can. Because that's think, all I can get. Because think about it. With free food, like okay, let's say you eat out. Three to four times a week, which is probably, I think... Is this implying you can't even go to the grocery store? You have to eat out every meal. No, I don't think so. Okay. No, well, I don't then so. Every grocery store stop, you're going to only have to be able to spend a max of $15 on food items. Is that how that works? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so let me just say this, though. Let's say you eat out three to four times a week, and each time you eat out, it's like $12. Okay? That's under the $15 threshold. Right? So if you do that four times, that's almost 50 bucks. Okay? Depending on the kind of car you have, you only need to fill up with gas maybe twice a month. Okay. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, if you're so commuting, if you then so it'll fifty be bucks more, a week. Yeah. Or, yeah, forty-eight bucks a week versus 
80 bucks for a month if you fill it up like let's say you fill it up twice a month and it's like 40 bucks it might be more i guess 45 you know whatever economically speaking free food makes way more sense i think right also though there's a question of health here i mean if, if you have free food you're probably going to be using it too much is that going to cause a problem think so are you going to be hitting up mcdonald's every day and what if you own a boat what if you own a gas boat what if you own an rv what if you own a car that doesn't have good gas mileage oh that's fair that's fair i mean if you own like a a truck or you something. You can use gas for your lawnmower, maybe. Yeah. Other things you can use gas or for. Or if you're a good cook, then mm-hmm. maybe you would pick the free gas. Now, does this apply, too, if you have, like, gas stoves at your house? You free what? Or, like, your, your gas bill. Like, is your gas bill free now? You know what I mean? Like, on your house for, like, heating your uh, house or apartment? I guess it doesn't specify, but, I mean, the implication here is that it's free gas for your car. Mm-hmm. Could you hypothetically start your own gas station, and now you're getting free supply? Why do you, why, why are you like this? Why do you do this? Trying to think outside the box. Sorry <laughs> that you're inside of it. Come out with me. Um, Take the red pill. The f- yeah. Uh, the food is more. It's more reasonable. I think it's more economical. More creative ways with the gas. It's more economical to take the food. I think for sure, definitely. Because then you know you can get and you can mix it up. You can get a Chipotle. You can go to sure. McDonald's. You can go to Wendy's. You and. and you know, all those places you can get under fifteen dollars. But see, if this rule but the is, the concern you can, is yes. that if you can't get, like, then I don't think you can pick it. Because, like, if I, the concern you here would get is, tired of eating fast food. Yeah, the concern here is that if I am unable to even go to like a restaurant and then pay out of pocket, like I, it, like everything I get has to be under fifteen, I'd reconsider. Because what if you wanted to go to a restaurant and get a nice steak dinner? Yeah, you want to get a nice something. That. You could never do that. If if the if the implication here is that you can't ever exceed fifteen dollars, right? Now, if I could pay out of pocket for that stuff, I'm, I would still take the the food because then I could get all my fast food and all whatever else food that I wanted that's under fifteen dollars for free. And then if I do want to go have a nice steak dinner on a Saturday night or something, I can go do that too. Yep. So it's a win win. Yeah, I would I would do, I would agree with both those. Okay, Quinn. I'm trying to figure out how to watch the game Saturday. I have Midco. That doesn't include CBS Sports Network. Which streaming service has CBS Sports Network? Okay, so I did a little research here. So my initial thought was uh, that you could just get Paramount Plus, or you could use Paramount Plus. Is it on Paramount Plus? Well, I'm going to answer that, because that's what I thought. I did some research. Turns out you can't watch CBS Sports Network live on Paramount Plus, Mm. because CBS owns Paramount, I think, right? Or Or Paramount owns CBS, one way or the other. The point being, you with Paramount Plus, which I thought would have been the easiest way that, and people, I know people probably have Paramount Plus. That would have been the easiest way. Turns out that that's not how it works. So here are your options if you are looking to stream CBS Sports Network: Hulu Live TV. Yep, which I have. YouTube TV. You can come over to my house. Hulu Live TV, YouTube TV, or Fubo. Or if you have DirecTV, which he said he doesn't have DirecTV. I guess DirecTV has like a streaming service that you could get it on. But you could so like my, for, recommend, my, my recommendation you would be TV yeah, it? YouTube TV. So, so here's my recommendation my, yeah. would be get a free trial yep. and watch the game and then cancel. Yeah, I don't know if Hulu TV does free trials. They might. I know YouTube TV has like free one week trials that you yep. can get. So get yourself, so just get do yourself that. a free trial for YouTube TV. Watch or it, then Hulu, cancel Hulu your, Live your TV. subscription. Right. Watch the game and then you're good. Yeah, that that's, would be my biggest recommendation. That's what I, recommend. I don't know this for sure, but I do know certain games that are on the CBS Sports like 
Network, either CBS Sports. You can or CBS sometimes watch it on, on the, app. the website or the app. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. go to Which CBS app, CBS Sports. Yeah, but that's not. I would not rely on that. Sometimes it's not a guarantee. It's a trial. It'll be like you can watch like up like, to an hour yeah. or something. Yeah. Now you can also listen to the game right here on KLWA. Oh yeah, yeah. Through the radio. If you're unable to watch it, you can yeah. just you can. If listen you might to be it. like, well, I'm going to be at home. I don't have a radio at home. Well, KLWN app or KLWN.com. Exactly. Boom. Probably. Okay. Last one we got here. This is from Garrett. Over under eight and a half seasons left for Bill Self before retiring. Sheesh! Eight and a half? So he's 61 right now, right? Yes. So 70, basically? I'm going to go under. I mean, think about it. let's Let's say he wants to coach for six more seasons. And in those six seasons, he makes another two or three Final Fours, maybe wins another national championship. I think Bill Self is the type of guy that if he wins a national championship, he might just say, you know what? I'm going to go out on top. Seriously. I don't well, know. He definitely though. seemed reinvigorated this offseason. That is, that is true. That is true. That is but also, true. who's to say that there's not but, know, I mean, more there aren't stuff even, on the horizon? And there aren't that many coaches even that. So, like I said, eight and a half years, and he's 61. That puts him at 70. Yeah. 69. There aren't that many coaches even that are coaching at that age. No. Right? I think the, the yeah, the betting man so would the say under, under on I that. think the under is the safe bet. Yes, I would agree with that. Not that we, not that you or I expect him to be retiring in the next three to four years. Wouldn't right? shock you though, either, right? I mean, if like again, said, if they win, expect, if he wins a national like, title, I'm expecting more than two years. But if in two years he retired, like, would it completely stun you? No, I don't think it would either. Maybe not. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU Mailbag. Thank you again to everybody who submitted questions. You can get your questions in early for next week at RCST1320 or with our email, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. We're going to get to uh, some more uh, Thursday night football talk, lie detector test, more KU football with Shreyas coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour and some KU football audio to uh, finish out with uh, more coming on the show here. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Trey Lotta of the Kansas City Star will join us coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour to talk some KU football. We're also going to have some uh, Mellow Dotson audio later in the 5 o'clock hour. Later tonight, after the show, High School Sports Weekly going to be live at Mama's Tamale Shop from 6 to 7. You can hear it here on KLWN, or you can go on out and say hi to Nick. And uh, who, who do we got on this week? It's the uh, Eudora Cross Country team, and Mama's Tamale Shop is gonna, undergoing a remodel right now, actually. And so they are opening specifically for the show tonight with a limited menu as they continue with the remodeling, which they hope to have done by next week, and then... Part of their grand reopening is our show next week will be part of their grand reopening of updated menu, uh, all kinds of new stuff. So they've got a lot big, a lot of big plans for Mama's Tamale Shop coming up shortly. But yeah, for tonight, it'll be a limited menu, and they're going to be open just for the show portion of it because they are undergoing that remodel, but still very excited and certainly very excited about what they've got planned for the future. Okay, so that's Mama's Tamale Shop tonight, 6 to 7. You can only come for the limited menu during the show, so you better show up for it and uh, say hi to Nick and, and tune in on KLWN. Uh, we also have high school football tomorrow, 7 o'clock, Free State on 929 The Bowl. Lawrence High right here on KLWN. We're going to get to another edition of a lie detector test. I thought about throwing Dustin Johnson on here. He said that the only reason that he didn't make the Ryder Cup team was because he's part of the Live Tour. He did have five top 10 finishes this year, but I don't know. He didn't have a very good season either. Uh, but I didn't want to because I wanted to make this a coach-strict 
uh, edition of okay. Lie Detector Test. These are all coaches okay. on this week's edition of Lie Detector Test. Sure. Coaches lie a lot. Yes, they do. Uh, but we're going to tell you if they are lying or not. That's right. First up is Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, who named Kyle McCord the starting quarterback not just for the next game, the rest of the season. Here's what he said. We decided that Kyle is going to be the starter. We're going to go ahead and make that distinction. And that'll be moving forward. They've gone 2-0. and So far, he is kind of pedestrian, 497 yards through two games, three touchdown passes. Didn't look great against Indiana. Uh, but Day says it gives Kyle, first off, peace of mind that I think he realizes he is the starter. He earned that opportunity. So here's what I don't understand here. At the start of the year, if you have a quarterback battle and you name one guy the starter, isn't it just assumed that you are naming him the starter for every game? Well, I don't think they did that. I think at the beginning of the year they said they were going to rotate both him and Devin Brown. So then, now like, they've Devin just Brown, decided. Devin like, Brown barely played, so it's kind of stupid. So now they've just decided. But see, that that's stupid because, to me, unless you explicitly say otherwise, which they might have, but if you say this guy's our starter, to me that means for this game and every game going forward. Why would you not spend? Why would you not? What? Why would that not mean that? Yeah, they. If you're, <laughs> that'd be funny if they're like. So, which pl- other players on your depth chart do not feel like, like that'd be like if Lance Leipold was like Jalen Daniels is going to start this week, and then every week he was like, Jalen Daniels is going to start this week. Like, Just all right, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I was not really impressed a ton watching him play uh, against Indiana. So we'll see, man. Um, Again, they beat Youngstown State 35-7. to but I guess this is the truth. I don't know. It's the truth in what it's intended to be. But again, if I go back, I mean... But like what... Averaging 250 passing yards with three touchdowns to one pick when you're surrounded by the best receiving core in the country. Yeah. When you've played I Youngstown mean, State in Indiana. I mean, I could do that. Me. Put me at like quarterback and I could average those numbers. So I, I kind of would not be surprised if... Like, would it be shocking if at some point he got benched for Devin so you Brown think this or they is gave a, the other guy a shot again? In the short term, it's the truth, but it's a long-term lie. Well, I think I ideally think. for Ryan Day, this is the truth, and he'll never have to avert from it. I'm just saying I think this could end up not being true, even if the intentions are the truth. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a new spin on my detector. That's right. Okay, uh, Milwaukee Bucks head coach Adrian, Adrian Griffin foresees, quote, great partnership. With Giannis Antetokounmpo, he says, Giannis and I are on the same page. We have a great relationship so far. He's been pleasant to get to know. He wants to win, and I want to win. It's that simple. I respect him. I respect what he's accomplished in this league. We're here together to win. I have no problem with that. I think it's a great partnership. We're going to lead the team together. When he leads, the others will follow. I think it's great. This is just a word salad, I feel like. Like, what? Are, like yeah, of course. You've got to be in the same on the same page as Giannis. Because if you're not... You're going to get fired. Plain and simple. So you got to be on the same page. I mean, it's, I mean, this is this is borderline. This is stating the obvious, I think. So it is the truth, I guess, but it's 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 an incredibly long oration of stating the obvious, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, like of course you have to be on the same page with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Otherwise, you're not going to have a job. Okay? Why? Because he's one of the best players in the league and you do whatever he wants. Yes. And, and because the NBA is a player-driven league, and as a coach, it's your job to just babysit and make sure that they, you know, don't screw it up. Yeah. Um, Unless you're, like, one of the best coaches. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think Adrian Griffin is. This is the truth in terms of he wants all this to happen, but I don't think it's necessarily a guarantee. This is first head coaching position. He he was a longtime NBA player, longtime assistant from from 2008 to 2023. Uh, Giannis has also kind of said like he wants to wait and see before like signing a, another big extension here, which I think he's due up at the end of oh, yeah. uh, next year and two years. Consider that. So this is this is already Adrian Griffin pre-pandering, right? To Giannis, and Giannis has basically said like. He has to wait and see to see to make sure the team is on the same page with him and that they want to continue to, you know, throw money in and, and be invested and go over the luxury tax and, and try to win and put a winning team together. So as much as he wants this to be the case, I don't think it's a guarantee. Now I do think Giannis is one of those guys that um I don't know, just seems like a very down to earth, like good dude. Yeah. So no, I don't think Giannis is gonna like bully him or like no you know demand this that or the other no so i don't think it's gonna be like a bad relationship where you hear about these like what was that was it like jr smith like threw soup at someone a couple years ago do you remember that story yeah i don't think that's gonna happen soup soup gate yeah um but i don't think it's a guarantee that they have a great partnership and and yeah what if Giannis is unhappy with his time in milwaukee so again i feel like this is kind of like the ryan day one it's like ideally this is what i want to happen and i believe that'll happen and i hope that'll happen but you can't tell the future. You don't know what's going to happen in, this in eight weeks. This is the sunshine and rainbows take from yes. Adrian Griffin. This is the everything's fine. This is how it's going to happen. Uh, rose-colored glasses. Life is good. You know, I'll do anything Giannis tells me to do. And hopefully we win. Yes. Okay. Uh, this one from Jim Harbaugh. He apparently compared J.J. McCarthy, the Michigan starting quarterback, to Andrew Luck. He actually doubled down on it recently, saying, I hate to compare, right? But very much like Andrew Luck, a quarterback that's once in a generation. I mean, what, automatically once in a generation se- of what? Well, automatically the first sentence is a lie. I hate to compare, <laughs> right? But then he goes oh, on Oh, true. To okay, yeah. If we're going to break this down. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We started off with I a bold face. I hate to do face. this, but now I'm going to do it. Yes. We start with a bold face mm-hmm. lie. Okay. <laughs> so, the next, so that's one statement, lie. The next part is... Is he very much like Andrew Luck? No! I don't think so. What? That's insane. First of all, J.J. McCarthy couldn't beat TCU, a team that got 60-balled by Georgia. You couldn't beat those clowns? J.J. McCarthy is... I've actually seen him pop up as like a late first, early second round pick on some mock Why? I haven't gotten that either. I don't, I don't Why? know. Why? He's fine. But, like, J.J. McCarthy to me feels like the quarterback that's along for the ride on a great team that yes. is a solid player. Like, if you told me he's going to be a fourth-round pick, it's like, okay, sure. I can, I can Not a that. bad quarterback. He's got some talent. Like, get, you know who I would compare J.J. McCarthy to? Mm. Like, A.J. McCarron. Yeah, or like Stetson Bennett. Or Greg McElroy. Exactly. It's like, you know, game manager on a team that's very talented, good player, will make a few good plays to make you think, like, oh, maybe he's more than a game manager, but... At the end of the day, like he's not some all-American. Whereas Andrew Luck wasn't just along for the ride; he was the ride. He yes. was the guy. He led yes. them to uh, back-to-back BCS bowls with the Orange Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl on a team that was not Michigan. Like Stanford still had a lot of talent in those days; they were putting out a lot of NFL draft picks. But yeah. it's not to what this Michigan team is. So I don't just, see just it. to circle back on all this, we I think we I think we actually talked about this like last week or week before. Why is Jim Harbaugh still doing press conferences when he's supposed to be suspended? Well, he's just suspended I mean, on what game What is going day. on? He's just suspended for the game But, day. like, it's just, it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we, why is he out there? He's not, he can't coach, he can't do anything. Who, who cares what he has to say? He's not there. He's not on, he's not on the field. He's not coaching. By the way, I'm looking at the. I need the, to send out the other guy. The stats. And, the guy uh, that's the actual coach. 
as a sophomore. So last year, J.J. McCarthy was a sophomore. 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, five picks. And that was in 14 games. Andrew Luck's sophomore year in 13 games. 3,300 yards, 32 touchdowns to eight interceptions. I will give J.J. McCarthy credit. So far this year, he is 48 of 55. That's 87%. 550 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. But they've also played nobody. They've played the school of blind and poor, and then they've played the, <laughs> the school of blind and deaf. Yes. Okay, so so no, he is not very much like Andrew Luck. And then the last part of this, a quarterback that's once in a generation. Have you ever watched J.J. McCarthy and been like, wow, we are so lucky this is a once in a generation quarterback? Yeah, that's obviously a lot. Because I think we've also reached the stage where there aren't very many once-in-a-generation players. Why? Because they're only once-in-a-generation! Right. <laughs> That's why there's not very many of them. So you can't just go around and say that you have that level of player. Because it's probably not true. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no. Lie, followed by another lie, followed by possibly the biggest lie of it all, the third part of that question. But again, in my humble opinion, Jim Harbaugh should not even be saying anything. He is suspended by Michigan. It's a, it's a it's a it's a university suspension. Okay. Why is he out there? What is he doing? He's not doing anything. All right, lie detector test for Jets head coach Robert Sala. He said, uh, "Quote: I'd be shocked if this is the way he's going to go out in regards to Aaron Rodgers dealing with the Achilles injury that will uh, end his season." So he, basically, him saying that he expects him to be back for next year. Well, did you see what Aaron Rodgers himself? put out on social media? No. You didn't see the uh, the night is darkest just before the dawn. <laughs> you didn't see any of that? No. Oh, man. You got to go find that. Yes, Aaron Rodgers put out this thing, and, and it's like, he literally quoted the dark night. Night is darkest just before the dawn. You know what's hilarious about that? You know what happens to Harvey Dent in Dark Knight after he says that quote? He, he gets, gets his, his face, face blown, blown off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay? So maybe watch the movie, Aaron. Okay? You know your face blown off? Or in this case, your Achilles even more blown off. I don't know, man. But no, okay. I don't think... I have a hard time believing Aaron Rodgers would just have his career end like that. I really do. I don't. I, I mean, do. I, I think mean, he's going to want to come back, but... Yeah, I, 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 oh, that's a good way to put it, I guess. I think he will want to come back. The question is, will he be able to? Right? Like, that's a pretty serious injury yeah. to have at this stage of your career. Yeah, 39 years old. Like, I guess Kobe came back from his. He wasn't the same player, but came back and played so yeah i yeah i would think that aaron Rodgers would not want to go out like this yeah no i i do agree with that i don't think this is a lie i mean i don't think any player wants to go out like that i don't think it's a lie but also it would not shock me if aaron Rodgers just isn't very good next year and that's just it, it i mean is what it there's is. a possibility he was not going to be very good this year also true <laughs> wasn't too great last year okay so i i don't know i i feel like it's not a lie i feel like they probably believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. But I, I think this is a situation where it's not up to them because, if it, like I said, Aaron Rodgers may want to come back all he wants, but if he if he physically can't, then it's not up, it's not his choice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, this one from uh, Jay Norvell. Uh, College Game Day is going out to the Colorado-Colorado State game. Jay Norvell is the former Nevada coach, but now he's at Colorado State, who's going to be playing CU this week. And uh, here's what he said during the coaches show it was some like interview he was having with, with some I think it's like a podcast from he said uh, he was kind of blasting Deion Sanders when I talk to grown-ups I take my hat and my glasses off that's what my mother taught me so he was basically blasting him there um, here's the thing 
if you notice when he does his press conferences, which I would count as talking to grownups, he has a visor on like 90% of the time. Yeah. A visor, okay. not a hat. I'm going to set that stuff aside. What's incredibly stupid about this is. Well, I just don't care. Colorado is 2-0, and okay? And they have looked really, really good, all right? So why would you say this crap? I mean, if Colorado wasn't that good, like let's say they had lost and you were like, you know, our rival's not that good now. Like that's one thing if they weren't 2-0. and But why? Why? What is the reasoning behind this? What is the reasoning? Uh, you're just poking a bear. This is a dumb exactly. idea. Exactly. Because literally everybody, the first two games they've played is poking the bear and then they come out with... And then they get smashed. Exactly. And then they come out after the game and they're like, now what do you think? You're just setting yourself up for failure when you do this. Yes. They actually, Colorado, did a video titled, Coach Prime and the CU Buffs Respond to Little Bro. Uh, that was posted on uh, a YouTube page run by Dion Sanders. Quote, I'm minding my own business watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out here and be the best coach that I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that they said about us once again. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they done messed around and made it personal. Oh, by the way, Coletto is 23-point favorites in the game. <laughs> and now Col- now so I'm going to be take taking a look Colorado the- with the spread because now they're not going to let the dogs Maybe off. take a look in the mirror here, Mr. Norvell, and realize that your team might stink. And Colorado is over three possession favorites over you. I mean, just, dude, idiotic. No, I mean, know your place, bro. I mean, seriously. Like, yeah. it's just, I don't know, man. I just can't imagine getting so mad about another coach wearing sunglasses and hats and obviously, in his press conference that it makes you get, like, go off. I, I and obviously it's a lie because, as you said, this is he does the same thing. Yes, exactly. I don't know. So stupid. And I've, ne- I've never once been like, oh, Lance Leipold came in wearing a hat today. Show some respect. Take it off. Like, what? No. no That's so yeah. stupid. Yeah. Half the time I wear hats at the press conferences too. But it's just yeah. like, I don't oh, care, Also, man. we're barely adults. So, <laughs> what does it matter anyways? Yeah. Who cares? Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, Deion Sanders, uh, I'm expecting a big win against Colorado State. Colorado minus 23. <laughs> there we go. All right, we're going to take a time out here. Shreyas Lada, Kansas City Star, is going to join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to talk some KU football with Shreyas. We uh, also are going to have some Mellow Dotson audio coming up later in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Don't forget to go out to High School Sports Weekly later tonight, 6 o'clock, right here on KLWN at Mama's Tamale Shop. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. we got High School Sports Weekly tonight after the show at Mama's Tamale Shop at 6 o'clock. We're joined now by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star. You can check out his work as well at KansasCity.com. Uh, you have now seen Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean as a starter for KU. I can't remember when you took over on the beat last year. Uh, you were in tow, I remember, for the bowl game, so you would have seen Jalen Daniels then. Uh, but now you've gotten to see both of them at least this year for, for the very least. What to you feels like the biggest difference for for Jason Bean versus Jalen Daniels and the effect it has on Kansas? I think the biggest thing is is it's clear that Jalen is like, you know, the team has seen – Jalen helped turn around the Kansas program, right? You know, he took over for Jason when Jason got hurt um, and the other guy got hurt as well back 
in uh, 2021. And from there, I mean, he's kind of just taken over as the de facto guy. You can see in the locker room how much the guys like him and respect him. And, like, on the field, he's just got a cannon of the arm. He's a lot more accurate, I think. He's better with the ball and decision-making than uh, Jason is. And there's a couple of plays uh, against Illinois where I felt like, Tank, this is an NFL-type talent. You know, he rolled out of the, the, the pocket, ran 25 yards, delivered a 20, like 48-yard strike to – Luke Grimm, which was really impressive. And then the other play of him coming out of the end zone, avoiding the sack and get a first down and third and long was super, super impressive. I mean, like, it's clear that he just has a different dynamic uh, and ability than and Jason does. And Jason's a great backup, and arguably he'd be a great starter in some other Big 12 teams. But Jalen is, is probably the best quarterback he's had since Todd Reese. Yeah. Um, if I guaranteed you, Jalen Daniels would be healthy the rest of the way. Because it feels like that's going to be kind of the big question here. I know it looked healthy and everything looked good in uh, the game against Illinois, but we're not still that far removed from all the back stuff in addition to some of the stuff that happened last year. So if I did guarantee you him being healthy the rest of the way versus if it was Jason Bean the rest of the season, how, how different would those expectations of what Kansas accomplishes this season be? Well, I mean, I feel like with Jalen Daniels, you could have a top three, maybe even contending for the Big 12 title, uh, Kansas team. And with Jason Bean, I think it, the expectation is make a bowl game. You know, like that, that to me is the biggest thing. I, I think, you know, with Jalen, he puts you in the chance to compete for games like K-State or you, uh, you know, Texas. Versus Jason Bean, like they could lose the 50-50 games in UCF, OSU, uh, et cetera, in a lot more chances and uh, I think Jalen just gives this program so much of a higher ceiling him and the dynamic duo of Devin Neal and Hyshaw is just a really really great trio on the offense and and two of those guys maybe even all three could probably play on Sunday in a couple of years yeah I mean uh, the actual pro talent on this team that is kind of a good point to bring up um you, you mentioned with Jalen healthy you become maybe maybe a big 12 title contender what record would Kansas have to be like what would be the number where you would start taking that as opposed to just being kind of a, yeah, it could happen as like a serious, like they are a Big 12 title contender. Would it be starting 4-0, 5-0? Would it be getting like to 6-2? and I, I don't know. What would the record be for you to start taking that very seriously? Be honest with you, if they play Texas or if it's even competitive, it's time to bring out the duck books, in my opinion, even more. <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's one of those things that if they beat the team that everyone says is supposed to be back, which they say every year, but maybe they really are back after Alabama this past weekend, you know, like that's got to be the biggest win of the Jalen Daniels tenure, the biggest win of Lance Leipold tenure, and arguably it's a much better start than even last year, which is really good because last year was good, but the quality opponents was not as good as the, the first five that I think Kansas is playing compared to what it was last year until they played TCU, of course. Um, and if they somehow beat Texas or if it's a very close game, I mean, that's a great sign for, I think, the rest of the year. Because then you're looking at games where, you know, you came to the season thinking Texas Tech is a team that could most would most likely beat Kansas, but they really haven't showed anything in the first two weeks at least that's possible. So maybe that game that, you know, it looked like Kansas was for sure going to lose or a high chance of losing is now a game that's a 50-50 game or a 60-40 game in Kansas' favor. And K-State, which was, you know, maybe it's more competitive and. And uh, OU, which the upset I had, it, maybe it happens for real. And I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke. But, uh, you know, I, I think if they beat Texas or it, it's competitive, I feel really good about them contending for the Big 12 title or finishing top three at least. 
Yeah, you, you hit on some of the teams on KU's schedule towards the back half of their season. And, you know, in the preseason, I think there was a lot of discussion about KU having more of a difficult schedule. But I just wonder if the combination of Jalen Daniels' performance against Illinois and looking like he could be what he was billed as preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, plus maybe some of those teams struggling, like you mentioned. I mean, UCF might not have John Reese Publi when they play KU. Uh, it's not like BYU's lit the world on fire. Texas Tech is 0-2. You know, th- does that maybe give you more confidence now than going into the season that Kansas could actually compete for that Big 12 championship like you were talking about? Absolutely. I mean, even the defense. I mean, right now, I think I, I saw uh, Shane put out a stat that Pro Football Focus had Kansas defense's like defensive rush, uh, pass rush, like top 10. Can you imagine that a year ago, even two weeks ago, man? Like, that was the biggest. I mean, it was been only two weeks, and they had six sacks last week, and it was Illinois that's not as good as everyone thought Illinois was. But it, it, that's just super, super impressive. And, you know, like if you have that combination of a good special teams play, like we have a guy, they have a guy in Seth Keller that hasn't missed a field goal yet, which, you know, as we all know, Kansas struggled to make field goals last year. They're ranked dead last in field goal percentage. A defense that looks like it's taken a big step forward, you know, and healthy Jalen Daniels and the offensive uh, weapons of Devin Neal and Hyshaw and then a pretty good wide receiver group, like, why not Kansas competing for the title? And why not beating the teams that, you know, like you said, don't look as good as they should have looked or are struggling with injuries up to this point. And shout out Shane Jackson there on the, on that stat. You mentioned um, if you had to give out an, an offensive MVP through two weeks so far for KU football, probably wouldn't be able to pick the quarterback since you've had a different guy both times. So who would win that award so far? Ooh, that's, that's a great question. I was going to say Devin Neal. He's looked fantastic. I mean, two straight weeks, I think, with 100-plus yards, multiple touchdowns uh, in Game 1. I think he had won it in Game 2. Uh, he just looks such like a dynamic back, you know, and he's averaging great yards per carry. Um, he's been really, really good, and I think he's a great complementary piece in the offense to alongside Jalen's kind of uh, dual credibility. And uh, high shells is pretty good too, but I really like Devin's play. And then I guess it's probably adding the offensive line. The offensive line is a tremendous job. Um, and there's clearly some guys that I think on that line that are going to play on Sundays. What about the defensive side of the ball? Who would win your defensive MVP for KU through two weeks of the season? Jared Robinson, I think. He, he's done a tremendous job getting sacks. I mean, I think he already has, what, three or four through two games. Um, you know, he, he's just been a menace on that end. Uh, the biggest question coming into the season is who's going to pressure the quarterback, especially with Monty Phelps, you know, leading sack leader of last year, departed for the NFL. Um, and he's answered, I think, a lot of those questions because he has, I think, three or four, and Monty had seven, I think, last year. So, you know, obviously we'll see what happens for the rest of the year, but I think Robinson's been really, really good. Um, Austin Booker, another key addition. Obviously, losing him for a half against Nevada is tough, but I expect KU to kind of handle that game regardless. Uh, and, um, and these two guys have really kind of stood out to me uh, because I think the the biggest question, like I said, and I think a lot of people had, was the pass rush. And if the pass rush is good and makes for KU secondary, which is at times can be boom or bust, look even better. And you know they they showed that against Illinois on Friday. Do you have at this point still any? big questions or reservations that you're kind of holding back on. Yeah, maybe this still could be a seven or eight or, you know, a win team. And and this would be my question. Why that we still maybe haven't had totally answered yet. I I just want to see more of the defense, you know, like I, I want to see if they can limit the big play abilities of some of the quarterbacks you're going to face in the big 12, uh, like Will Howard and, you know, uh, the Texas QB and and all these other guys that they face. Um, I think that to me, is 
just their ability to see if they can handle those guys. Like, I mean, again, Luke Altemeyer of uh, you know, Illinois, the Ole Miss transfer guy, he, he played pretty, like, eh, he wasn't great. The only really big play they gave up was that 72-yard touchdown run, which was a little demoralizing, I think, for KU's defense with how good they played up to that point. Um, and then, obviously, the targeting penalties were, were tough, and uh, you know, they're all subjective. But I think that thing to me is just I want to see how the defense looks against Nevada. How do they look against UCF? How do they look against Texas? Are they not giving up 50 points to Texas? Well, that's a massive improvement from last year and the year before. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Texas scores a and they're really good. Well, KU takes on Nevada on Saturday. Late night game, 9.30 p.m. Um, I don't know if, if you'll be indulging in any coffee or energy drinks to, to try to keep things going here. Um, but what are you most interested in from the matchup perspective uh, between Kansas and Nevada? Because it's, it's obviously expected to be a big blowout here, 28-point spread and everything. Oh, what interests you in this game? I, mean, I want to see Kansas' defense not give up more than like 10 points. This Nevada team sucks, to be quite frank. <laughs> uh, they're not good. Uh, they were not favored against FCS team last week. And they lost 33-6. They got, you know, basically were roadkill against Caleb Williams and USC in week one, 66-14. Uh, their two quarterbacks have combined for one passing touchdown on the year um, and less than 500 yards together. Uh, the little bright spot on their team is on dollars, uh, the running back, and he's averaging like 4.8 yards a carry or whatever, but he hasn't broken 100 yards, I think, from uh, the two games yet. So, like, this game should be one of those games that Kansas comes out to a big lead, and they keep on piling on. Jason Beam is playing, maybe even some ballwood play for quarterback. Um, you know, I want to see Kansas throttle them uh, from start to finish, um, and I think that's a great, great way uh, to you know, really showcase how far Kansas has come is if they can handle this Nevada team that is is not good and um, you know might be the worst team that they faced all year. Any concerns about KU's travel schedule, playing a game at Pacific Time so late in the evening, uh, and then plus you've got the situation where they're going to be co- they're going to be staying over the night and coming back on Sunday. I mean, what what's your take on that? Do you have any concerns about that aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Lance. I think it's a little unfair. You know, like I I it's exhausting having to travel and do anything, you know, that day. But to travel and then make them practice on that Sunday is a little frustrating, I think, for any team, and especially for Kansas, just because they played two straight Friday night games, uh, you know, that didn't even start before. Like, they started by 7, you know. Now you're playing a 9.30 Central Time game in Nevada. Even if you sleep in and, you know, take a whatever early morning flight or whatever, you know, to get into Kansas, you know, basically touchdown, maybe give them an hour or two of rest and then practice, it's, it's a lot on the body, you know, because they just played a game less than 24 hours before that. And, uh, you know, I I think it really should be looked at with the way the travel stuff is if you're trying to make sure these student athletes have a good schedule of work, I mean, school and basically football balance or whatever sport they play, you know, they have to do a better job, especially with all the travel. And I think it's going to be something that's, a, something that's going to be a little bit of a problem when all these teams, you know, out west <laughs> join the Big 12 or the Big 10 or whatever, and their, their travel schedules are a little out of whack. Well, to that point, do you envision that all the travel logistics and the time change and the late-night game and some of the altitude – do you envision that having a bigger impact on this game? Obviously, you're expecting them to win big, but maybe it makes it a slightly closer game than you'd expect. Or do you think those 
uh, kind of travel logistics will have a bigger impact on the next week's game against BYU? I think it might affect BYU a little more uh, against the BYU game a little more. Um, just because, I mean, like, I think like maybe there's an adjustment to the altitude and all that. But if there's one thing that I've noticed in the Lance Leipold era since I've covered the KU beat, which has not been super long, it's, it's about to hit a year in November, is he doesn't ever, like, there's no, like, sleeping on the wheel, you know? And I think that's something that's super, super impressive is, like, he does a great job of having the team ready to go no matter what the spread is, no matter what the expectation is. You know, like, even when they started to slow against Missouri, you know, with all the stuff happening between Jalen missing and, you know, Brian Borland, the defense coordinator being there, you know, they were taking control of the game near the second half uh, ending, or first half ending, and then they just really, you know, blew them out in the second half. Um, Lance, I think, does not sleep on any opponent, and I think that reflects in the way KU plays and starts and stuff like that. So I don't really think they'll be, you know, sluggish to shut off. Maybe it affects them a little bit, but, um, you know, I think it'll be more of an issue in the BYU game because I think, A, BYU is a much better opponent, and B, like you said, that that Sunday practice is just a lot on the body. And, like, how many of those guys are actually going to practice after, you know, playing a game less than 25 hours before we're talking with Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star. You can check out all his work in the Star and at KansasCity.com. I got some uh, crossover questions to finish up for you here. Okay, uh, more points from Kansas against Nevada on Saturday or points scored by Hunter Dickinson in his first three KU basketball games? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go... Hunter Dickinson here, because if I do the math, Hunter Dickinson, 18 times three, what he averaged, you know, this thing is around a little less than 60. I think 18 times three is 54. I don't know. Uh, but I expect Kansas to be up big, but I also think they'll kind of, you know, take their foot off the pedal, put in some backups and stuff like that by, you know, the end of the third or mid-third or whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to Okay. Uh, more likely to win Big 12 Coach of the Year, Lance Leipold or Bill Self? Ooh, uh, Lance Leipold. I think the expectation for Bill Self to win Big 12 Coach of the Year is really, really hard. You know, like you're supposed to be one of those teams that kind of comes out of nowhere, um, you know, like Tang did last year. The expectation for Kansas is to win a national championship. You know, like if they go and play well and they win the conference easily or comfortably, that's not super surprising. They'd have to do it in a way where they don't lose more than like three or four conference, two games, maybe two or three conference games. And, you know, for Bill Self to win. It's just too high of a bar, I think. Uh, and you have to be like one of those Kentucky teams that were basically uh, without a loss for a long time. Yeah, I think that's the right. I, I go back to that year they went 17-1 and in the conference and they still didn't win it. It's just, it's too tough. So uh, I think that's the right answer there. Uh, last one I got for you here. Most, more postseason wins. So what I'm counting as postseason wins, I'm not co- counting conference tournament. Uh, so NCAA tournament and for the sake of uh, one of the teams that I'll throw in here, like bowl game, will will be the postseason, or I guess college football playoff. If you're a believer in that, uh, more postseason wins. KU football plus KU volleyball plus KU women's basketball, or KU men's basketball. Ooh, that's a good one. I I would probably say um, I'm going to go KU basketball. I mean, I expect this team to be at least a Final Four team at worst. You know. Uh, and the depth and some other stuff that remains. Um, 
going to have a great uh, season next year. Yeah, the way I viewed it, you know, bowl games, it's either zero or one. KU women's can mm-hmm. win probably somewhere between zero to two, maybe three tournament games. So you're at a range zero to, I guess, three. And then uh, KU women's volleyball, they could win. I don't know. They could win two or three tournament games, but that could also be zero because the NCAA tournament is a crapshoot. So I don't know. You, you have kind of zero to six, I, I think, is the metric on, on both sides. But uh, all right. Well, uh, well, we'll maybe check back on those if we even remember down the road because that'll be a long time. <laughs> now. Shreyas, uh, I appreciate the time as always, man. Is there anything you want to plug, anything you got out or, or coming up here on the Kansas City Star? Uh, check out something next week. I'm excited. I'm starting a film thing with a former K quarterback that'll have come out, uh, like, you know, at least information about it on Monday. Um, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun and I think something new to do some film stuff because it hasn't been a ton uh, done on the, the, uh, football side at least. Can you give us a little tease? Is this a quarterback within the last 15 years, last 30 years? What are we talking here? Within the last five. Okay. There we go. So there's your tease right there. So be on the lookout for that. Shreyas, I appreciate the time as always, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Shreyas Lotta of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got some mellow dots and audio we're going to get to coming up in our next segment here. We also got High School Sports Weekly coming at you, 6 to 7 tonight. High School Football on Friday with Free State on 929 The Bowl. Lawrence High here on KLWN Friday night at 7 for both those. And then you can hear the Kansas-Nevada game on Saturday, pregame 8 o'clock with kickoff at 9.30. More KU football talk next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.